Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of the show. Welcome, Outcast. I was telling Mike just before the broadcast began that uh, I am definitely going through the change. I don't know what it is about 65. I turned 65 on Saturday, but it's as if that number just kicks in and your body says, okay, let me show you something different. Women go through menopause when they're around 40. Men, when they're 65, their body just begins to say things like, oh, no, you don't. No, you're not going to do No, no, don't do that. Saturday, I began to paint the house. As you well know, I finished yesterday. In a little under 80 hours, I painted an entire house, the outside. And my body is just saying, time for me to punish you. And to add to it, I get off of my regular job today, I go lay on the couch, and I pass out. I no longer sleep anymore. I go into a coma. When I go to bed now, it is kind of cool. I don't really have a problem sleeping. I just have a problem waking up. I go into the deepest sleep I've ever had in my life because my body is saying enough. And then an hour ago, I just finished working out in the back in the Florida room. If you're not familiar with that, in God's waiting room, everyone who owns a house has a Florida room, and that's where they put the casket when you die. Hey, let's begin by talking a little bit about the occult, shall we? I'm going to demonstrate to you tonight, dear listener, that everything you're seeing, hearing, is a lie, and it's all part of a Luciferian agenda. As you well know, we never went to the moon. SpaceX is a sham. Have you seen the astronauts? They wear janitor's boots. Those outfits look like something Devo would wear in concert. Everything's a lie. If that's your foundational premise, then the world begins to make sense, and you begin to enjoy it and laugh at it like I do. For example, let's talk a little bit about the pandemic. Delta, Omicron, two variants of the fake pandemic. An anagram, which is a rearrangement of the, uh, the letters, the anagram for Delta Omicron is media control. Anyone surprised? The esoteric mystery religion of Satanism and one of their methods for secretive communication is the anagram. They believe a word retains the same meaning regardless of the letter arrangements. For example, Satan is Santa. Lucifer was cast out of heaven, which is located in the north. Santa resides at the North Pole. Nick, named Old Nick, derived from St. Nicholas, who was often associated with fertility cults. Medieval beliefs indicate the devil was most feared to enter the home via the chimney. Roman Catholicism is a pagan dualistic religion. Jesus is acknowledged as the divine masculine and Mary the divine feminine. The Knights Templar, a secret society of devout occultists, practice esoteric rituals in the name of Roman Catholicism. Their worship of Sophia as the third person of the Trinity is another depiction in the name of their god Lucifer. They believe that Sophia actually created the earth. 
and the Demiurge, who is the Ancient of Days, the God of the Bible. This is part of Gnosticism. The Knights Templar communicate their messages in code by inverting the alphabet and then flipping it. They utilize what is called the Adbash cipher. It allows them to hide their intentions and agenda. Rose worship, as in Rosicrucian, is another subset of Luciferian worship. When the cross and the rose merge, you have the same duality found in the Baphomet, depicted as androgynous with beasts and uh, with breasts and a shaft. There are only two religions. You've got truth and error. The latter is known as the mystery religion, mystery Babylon, and the mystery of the woman. All are different forms of the same error. And during the last seven years of this age, which is known as the tribulation, the last religion will be the same as the first religion. The first religion was paganism. The last will be paganism. True religion is easy to understand. It's perfect. It never changes. It saves and it converts. However, the mystery religion is complex, contradicts, changes, confuses, conceals, seduces, and subverts. For example, Hinduism has multiple gods, and Roman Catholicism has multiple traditions. The first ever global religion established on the flat earth was the Babylonian. Noah's great-grandson, Nimrod, was declared a god by the Babylonians under the rule of the first global unification plan, which was established on the plain of the Shinar Valley. It was there the first pyramid was constructed, also known as the Tower of Babel. That tower is being constructed in Virginia right now. It's known as Amazon headquarters. Nimrod envisioned a stairway to heaven, Amazon, whose purpose was to connect our first heaven to the third dimension of God's third heaven and fifth dimension. Once Nimrod ascended the stairway to heaven, anybody listening, Led Zeppelin, to the third heaven of the fifth dimension, Nimrod would kill God. That's why they built the Tower of Babel. They were going to ascend into heaven and kill God. And they're going to try and do the same thing again. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be before the coming of the Son of Man. The Tower of Babel was man's first global attempt to overthrow God. In essence, we're going to go to heaven and live the way we want. The first pagan trinity established was Nimrod, god of the sun, Semiramis, goddess of the moon, and Tammuz, son of the stars. Semiramis is declared the holy mother and queen of heaven, and Tammuz, the divine son, with Tammuz, the reincarnated child of Nimrod. And Semiramis gave birth to Tammuz on December 25th. Christmas is actually a Roman Catholic holiday disguised as a Christian celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. In the 3rd century, Constantine decreed Christianity as the state religion of the Roman Empire, and in order to placate the Babylonian pagans, the birth of Christ was moved to December 25th, so each religion could celebrate their S-O-N slash S-U-N God. The first pagan trinity established with Nimrod, God of the Sun, Semiramis, God of the, of the Moon, and Tammuz, Son of the Stars. 
Basically, Roman Catholicism is a modern reflection of Mystery Babylon, with the crown on Mother Mary's head, who is actually Semiramis. All worship points to the Divine Mother. After the Babylonian language was confused, mankind, of course, spread across the flat earth, passing down the precepts of Nimrod, Semiramis, and Tammuz. That included the pyramids. The first pyramid, again, was the Tower of Babel. Today, pyramids are spread all over. Egypt, Sudan, Bosnia, Italy, Mexico, China, they all have their origin in the Babylonian religion. For example, Buddha was born of a virgin named Maya. Vistu, Devaki, and Krishna, well, they actually comprise the Trinity in Hinduism. So you have three entities, Shing, Mu, the mother of the West, even Islam, the symbol of the crescent moon, is the symbol of Semiramis, goddess of the moon, and Tammuz, son of the stars. It gets even deeper. Isis is Semiramis. The Egyptian statue of Isis carrying an Ankh is the symbol of feminism. Every religion has since been based on the trinity of Nimrod, Semiramis, and Tammuz. Egypt is represented by Osiris, Isis, and Horus. In Europe, you have Odin, Frigga, and Thor, and in Greece, Zeus, Hera, and Eris. Nimrod himself was known as the father, son, and Baal. Semiramis is equated to the Holy Spirit, moon, and Ashtara. Tammuz is the sun and the stars. Even the Statue of Liberty in Manhattan, given to the United States by France, is a depiction of Tammuz. Weeping for Tammuz was done by placing a mark of Tammuz above the forehead and on the forehead. In Roman Catholicism, Ash Wednesday is a ritual of weeping for Tammuz, the sun god. Astera is the canonized name for Semiramis. Catholic priests burn incense to Semiramis, the queen of heaven. Easter is a Roman pagan festival to the goddess Ishtar. Ishtar is Semiramis. Diana, goddess of the Ephesians, is Semiramis. Before the mystery religion of Babylon rises again in the seven-year tribulation, the apostate Protestant church will unite and rejoin the Roman Catholic Church. And from this unholy union, other religions of the world will merge as a one-world religion, a new transhuman digital stairway to heaven. Just to kind of give you an idea of what's going on. It's just staring at you. They're laughing. Omicron. It comes from the Phoenician letter Ayin, A-Y-I-N. You know what it means? I. The symbol representing Delta is the triangle. Yes, it appears the Luciferian elite are displaying, they're displaying the COVID calling card. I in a triangle. Delta triangle. For example, the Nile Delta gets its name from the triangular shape. For Freemasons, the triangle symbolizes the Greek letter A, also referred to as the shining delta. The base of the triangle represents duration, and the two sides are depicted as equal qualities of male and female, light and darkness. 
Within the mystery religion of Freemasonry, the delta or triangle is a symbol of the supreme architect, who is Lucifer, the light bearer. Both the square and the compass form a triangle, a symbol of stability and the spirit world. Thus, the delta is hidden from the material world. Just as the supposed Delta variant is an offshoot of the COVID-19 virus, which cannot be seen. You take the triangle, invert it. The Delta, inverted. It becomes the symbol of the first degree of witchcraft. The second degree of witchcraft is represented by the upright triangle. Put them together, what do you get? Star of David. Witches and wizards traditionally write their names followed by the number of the deltas conferring their level in the craft. And then even the origin of Omicron. Almost 60 years ago, the Italian sci-fi movie Omicron. The plot revolved around an alien from Venus who possesses and resurrects the corpse of a blue-collar worker. The creature known as Omicron inhabits the body in order to study the world and report his findings to Venus. He then returns with his minions to destroy civilization. The producers of this movie, almost 60 years ago, is Lux, L-U-X, a Latin word translated as light, a likely reference to the name Lucifer, the light bearer. During the opening scene of the movie Omicron, the doctors examining the corpse find an acupuncture mark where the alien could have penetrated the body. Quite an odd reference considering the current Omicron variant is likely to be effective and the result of the jab. The origins of this esoteric religion go back thousands of years. Everything is tied to the number three and numerology. It's the occultic symbiotic relationship between a number an event, and alchemy. This is the mystery religion that you're not taught in church because your pastors are afraid you'll be uncomfortable and you might not come back and give him money. This is who we're fighting spiritually. And unless you understand your enemy, how do you even know how to fight? Food for thought I don't know if the book is still available on Amazon. They may have taken it down. You can go to Amazon, type in Morningstar's Tale. If not, the entire complete and unabridged version of Morningstar's Tale is at my website, morningstarstale.com. If you enjoy the book, all I ask is that you email it to anybody you like. And if they email you back, they give you a problem, just ask, just ask them, have we ever gone to the moon? And if they say no, then just say delete the book. It's simple. Oh, I like that. Oh. Hey, Al, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Well, you painted your painted your house. I like that. Yeah, you like that? I painted all four walls. Well, I mean the outside. Oh, look at that. Wow. You painted the back. You painted the front. You painted the north and the south. Ooh, did you hear about my girlfriend? Yeah, I did. Al Pacino celebrates 82nd birthday. Did you know Al Pacino is 82 years old? And guess who he celebrated it with? 
his girlfriend, Noor Alfala. I'm 65, and I don't even think about having a girlfriend. Al Pacino, man, 82. Got a 28-year-old girlfriend. Oh. <laughs> he hit the town Sunday night to celebrate his 82nd B-Day with his 28-year-old girlfriend. The couple, who matched in all-black ensembles, were photographed in an Italian restaurant, Jones, in West Hollywood, California. In footage obtained by the outlet, the pair appeared to be in great spirits as they enjoyed each other's company throughout the evening. Their 54-year age gap likely isn't an issue for Alfala. The beauty has previously been attached to older men, including Mick Jagger, who she dated when the rocker was 74 and she was just 22. Alfala, Al Pacino's girlfriend, said, Our ages don't matter to me. I change his diaper and we're good. Oh, that's a low blow. She says, the heart doesn't know what it sees. It only knows what it feels. Well, if you're getting busy with Al, I think what you're going to be feeling is the predominance of wrinkles and crevices and gray hair and matted clumps. <laughs> She's also been linked to billionaire investor in Philanthropist Nicholas Bergen, age 60. Oh, robbing the cradle, huh? And has also been spotted out in L.A. with 91-year-old Clint Eastwood. Well, you could ask yourself one question, punk. I know what you're saying. Did I fire five shots or six? Well, in all this excitement, I've kind of forgotten. But seeing this is a 44 caliber it will clearly blow your head off you've got to ask yourself one question are you feeling lucky well are you punk 91 oh <laughs> I'm looking at the picture of uh, this chick with Al Pacino outside the restaurant Al looks like he's about to tip over I'm not kidding He's leaning forward like, oh, somebody catch me. The perfect storm. Extendivite really works. Kate, great for bodybuilding or endurance athletes. I can't say enough about Extendivite. It brings more oxygen to your muscles while working out. I never bought this product for heart health, but to improve circulation, and I am not at all disappointed. I noticed an immediate boost in my gym performance, but I thought I would wait to review in case it was a placebo effect. It definitely was not. This is the most powerful supplement I have ever taken in 30 years of bodybuilding. I have taken 
everything. Extendivite outperforms them all. The ability to squeeze just one more rep or add just a few more pounds to the barbell depends on your ability to carry oxygen where it counts, deep inside your muscle tissues. The added benefits of heart and liver health I consider a bonus. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E.com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Standing six foot four, weighing in 245 pounds of crime-fighting, political science-analyzing brawn. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Patrick Slattery. So, Mike, get off this anti-cicada agenda. I'm a born-again traditional Christian, and my favorite possessions are right here on my nightstand. That would be the King James Bible and my 357 revolver. I'd rather be ruled by Chinamen than Jews. Cool it with the anti-Semitic remarks, right? Just because you steal an election and terminate the republic doesn't mean you terminate the people in the republic, because we're still here. I'm not taking the vaccine. you, Bill Gates. There was a way forward still on January 6th. What needed to be done is to object to every single state. The COVID-19 virus was the setup. The vaccine could very well be a bioweapon. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you. And your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748. 855-2-KEEP-IT-TODAY. Central. of art before the show. Nothing quite like Art Bell. I'm Art Bell. Coast to coast. You know the movie Idiocracy from Mike Judge? That went from being a fictional comedy to reality. Today during my job, as you know, I work as a a freight coordinator, broker, people call up and they say, I want to move this amount of freight from here to here, how much? And then I 
reach out to carriers and we negotiate rates. But you wouldn't believe some of the people out there that have access to a phone. Guy calls me today. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, where's my stuff? Okay, what's the bill of lading number? Uh, where's my stuff? I just, I'm not good at it. I, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing, but I am. I fake it. I really, I, I, I fake it. I just, I can't handle people. I like Stormy. Like, for example, right now, she's in the roach position, and I'm not sure if you understand what that means, but greyhounds are notorious for this, sleeping in the roach position. Essentially, she's laying on her back. Her front paws are in an, in a V-shape, you know, like Mr. Burns when he talks. Excellent. Smithers, look at my hands. I'm in a V-shape. Yes, sir. And then her legs are just spread disturbingly. <laughs> and her tail is twisted around her leg. And then she's showing her teeth as if in the attack position. Laying flat on her back. Out. Uh, she's such... She's so much... Her and the CBD. Those are my two. And the coffee. That's what settles me. Stormy gives me a perspective on life, CBD oil, and I take that. I, I try to I rub it on every day. It, it really calms me down. doesn't contain any THC. And then, of course, caffeine. Got to have caffeine. Espresso, Italian roast. On the subject of uh, Italy, probably not good news for our friends in Italy. Uh, Italy announces rollout of dystopian social credit system. Compliant citizens will be rewarded for good behavior. The mayor of Bologna, I know it's spelled baloney, uh, counselor for the digital. Oh, are you kidding me? Why are you asking for a donation? I'm trying to read this story. Concealor for the digital agenda and civic use of data announced the city's digital innovation plan for 2022-2024. Quote, we will start with a pilot project for the city at the center is virtuous citizen. That's what they're calling it. Virtuous citizen. The one who, for example, separates waste well or does not waste energy or uses public transport and does not take fines and is still active in the community, the municipality says to these people, we will assign you a score as part of a circular reward with economic benefits. Social credit score is coming to Italy. And they're already in use in various places. For example, China, the hellhole that that's become. The dystopian measure acts similar to the traditional credit score. However, as the name indicates, social credit score, one score has little to do with their financial prospects or their ability to pay debt on time. Social scores, are, they're all about your level of compliance to the current regime and the acceptance of the approved narrative. Where this dystopian coercion tool is used in an authoritarian dictatorship like China, there's no such thing as individual rights or free speech. So it looks like Italy will be the first in the EU and the West 
to implement this hellish governmental-sponsored social credit system. If this comes into reality across the world, that's it. It's over. Enrollees will be given a smart citizen wallet where their rewards can be assessed. What happens when you open the wallet? It says, The higher one score correlating with good behavior will allow them to access more benefits. Garbage. Still looking for a house with acreage. Now that this one is painted, the real estate market here in God's waiting room is unbelievable. Seems everyone's moving here from New York and New Jersey and the baby boomers and the remote workers. So I'm going to keep looking. I'll let you know if I find something with acreage. I'll rent you a tent. The perfect storm. When I showed you about the false flag operation. Remember when I told you about 5G radiation. Remember that I told you that COVID was a hoax. When I just want to say that I told I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news. Real talk. Real people. Because you can handle the truth. You know that nothing beats a storable food stockpile for readiness. But there are two problems with storable food. It's expensive, and eventually, it runs out. Then what? What happens to you or your family when there's not enough food to go around? In a true survival scenario, you need a renewable food source. That's why Seed Armory has developed a survival-grade seed vault that can produce over $25,000 worth of crops from just one kit. Unlike other seed vaults, we don't inflate our seed counts with fillers. All our seeds are 100% heirloom and non-GMO. Not a green thumb? Don't worry. We've written an easy-to-follow guide to guarantee your success from planting to harvest. For a limited time, we're offering an additional 10% off your order when you enter the code RBN at checkout. Go to SeedArmory.com. That's SeedArmory.com. Don't wait. Like everything else, seeds are in short supply. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. 
American Freedom News is your daily website that will keep you fully informed on what both the good guys and bad guys are doing in the information war in which we are all engaged. Fed up with the lies of the fake news media and the censorship of big tech giants? American Freedom News is the solution as we provide truth and knowledge on all the vital issues of the day. American Freedom News believes in America first. The establishment wants us split into numerous hostile groups rather than uniting in a common cause against the corrupt oligarchy that is plundering America and the world. Many more Americans are waking up and realizing they are the victims of the ongoing Great Replacement and Great Reset. But the malevolent forces trying to systematically destroy America can and will be defeated. Be fully informed by reading American Freedom News, the best news and information site on the Internet. Go to AmericanFreedomNews.us and find out for yourself. That's AmericanFreedomNews.us. Parabellum. Understand this one. Elon Musk banned from criticizing Twitter under terms of his $44 billion buyout. Elon Musk's $44 billion Twitter buyout agreement includes a bizarre clause banning him from tweeting criticism about the company 
though the billionaire already appears to be testing the rule's limits. An SEC filing published this week detailing the agreement notes Musk, identified in the document as equity investor, shall be permitted to issue tweets about the merger or the transactions contemplated hereby so long as tweets do not disparage the company or any of his representatives. Currently, Twitter employees have expressed concern about Musk's brash communication style on the platform, and they're concerned it may affect the price. That's kind of weird. I mean, you spend $44 billion on a company that you own, and you're not allowed to criticize it? Kind of Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, look, it's uh, Alec Baldwin. No, Alec Baldwin. I'd like to criticize your book if I could. You want to criticize the book Morningstar's Tale? Yes. Excuse me. It sucks. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Excuse me, excuse me. I just got another tweet. My wife, Hilaria, just had twins. How many does that make? 42. You got to love the amazing Polly. In this particular episode, Polly talks about Soros, Soviets, science, and blood. Let's give it a listen. Here's the amazing Polly. Today, I'm going to be bringing you a video that's about George Soros in Russia. And it's kind of in two parts. There's the beginning, which is a little history of... Uh, the timing of things that happened in, in Russia and how George Soros participated in the opening up of the economy there, at least according to him. <laughs> and the second half is going to be about a foundation that he began in Russia in either 1990, 1991, 1992, 1993, 1995, depending on the article you read and the account you're following, seems to be a bit obscured. It was called the International Science Foundation. To be on the steering committee, advisory committee, or whatever you want to call it, the board of of the International Science Foundation. All right. So, without further ado, let us begin. Do you remember I did a video a while back called Maxwell, Epstein, and the Sci uh, Science and Control after World War II? It was all about. Maxwell, Robert Maxwell, taking control, basically, of the scientific journal industry and basically growing it and turning it into a huge moneymaker. And this was when he was working for the, the British military, actually, in occupied Germany. He got himself into a great position there. Whether he was put there by the military, I will never know, but there are allegations that he was... An intelligence asset at the time, not just for Britain, but also for Israel and Russia, and who knows, maybe the CIA. Anyway, so he was in occupied Germany. There was chaos, of course. It was the end of the war, and he grabbed control of all of the scientific journals there by various means. And as this Guardian article says, which is all about Robert Maxwell's rise and beginning in scientific journal publishing. 
that if you control access to the scientific literature, it is, to all intents and purposes, like controlling science. And who can really argue with that? It's a good article. I'll link to it in the info box below the video there, so you can read the whole thing if you want. But isn't it interesting that Robert Maxwell gained control of the scientific publishing uh, industry after World War II, thereby kind of controlling knowledge in that arena. And his family, you know, his family has gone on to uh, gain control of tech, remain involved in the world of wacky science, and they've had some exploits as well. We all know his daughter, Galen, was partners with Jeffrey Epstein, notorious. Uh, what do you want to call him? Suspected pedophile child trafficker. But a lot of people don't know that Jeffrey Epstein was deeply, deeply involved in the scientific community in the United States, at least a certain circle of them. The certain circle of areas of science that now kind of dominate our lives. Cybernetics, uh, genetics, biotech, uh, mapping the brain, computer brain interfaces, AI, all that sort of science. That's where Jeffrey Epstein was putting his money, and that's who he hung out with. All right, so you remember all of that, maybe. Go watch it if you don't. And you probably have heard of Operation Paperclip, which was when the CIA uh, scooped up a, a lot of the scientists, Nazi scientists, after the war. Same kind of, the same timing as Robert Maxwell was operating. And so the, the military and the CIA from the United States scooped up the valuable scientists in all kinds of areas and gave them new names, got them homes in the U.S., and then worked with them. And apparently, Russia also did the same sort of thing. The Soviets similarly captured and used German scientists for their own defense programs. And it was a question, they say, of hang them versus hire them. Well, they did get all this knowledge, you know. Should we really waste it? Just because they were total human rights abusing, genociders, cruel beyond belief, um, in their experiments? Should we still use them? Yes. That's what the United States and Russia decided, and the whole world just went along with it, really, because it's all out in the open, and nobody ever paid a price for that. So this is basically what George Soros did, I've come to find out, in the aftermath of the fall of the Soviet Union. You remember when that happened? It was 1991. December 26, 1991, the Soviet Union officially fell. And we find out, if we look into the story, that George Soros, gee, his timing is so great. He set up his foundation in Russia at just the right time to take advantage of this chaos. Here he is here, sitting on his patio, planning his next dastardly move. That's what he looked like at about that time period. Also about that time period, George Soros was um, exploiting Ukraine. I did a video on this. I'll put the screen, uh, the, the thumbnail up on the screen for you. He went in there and he replaced the civil service, the legal system. He was the one who hired the finance minister. He retrained the whole military. They fired 600,000 military personnel in Ukraine in 1992. And then George Soros retrained the military, so he claims. And in Ukraine, 
He spent millions retraining the old Soviet military. That was from the interview with Steve Croft done on 60 Minutes, and I'll be talking more about that in a minute. So here, here is where it all started for me. I came across an article, American gives $100 million to Soviet science. This is from 1992. Moscow. U.S. philanthropist George Soros has created a $100 million fund to support science in the former Soviet Union and stop the brain drain of top researchers, Russian officials said yesterday. Huh, you don't say, you don't say. That's very interesting. So, what Robert Maxwell took years to do, George Soros did all at once with his International Science Foundation, as we will find out in a minute. But first, I want to give you a little bit of background to prove that I think he was onto this early and and just to show the level of meddling that he does. This entry from his own blog, he says that he started his Russian foundation in 1987 and one year later was advising the government on opening up the economy. He 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 just called up Russian officials, USSR officials, and said, uh, hey, I have an idea for opening up a sector of your economy. And he says, to his surprise, they called him, and he got and he got to do this consultation. Important note here for later is Soros claims that it was when he heard Gorbachev phoned Andrei Sakharov that he thought, oh my goodness, I think Russia's about to open up. Andrei Sakharov was a nuclear scientist who had, this is the story, he had a change of heart at some point and became a dissident against the communist regime and their arms program. So he and his wife became official dissidents speaking out against the government. Now, Andrei Sakharov was highly, highly regarded, top scientist in Russia, top earner above the Politburo. In Russia, and he suddenly becomes a dissident. Well, anyway, they arrest his wife, they send them into exile, and then apparently, and they were there for years and years and years, exiled from society. And then Gorbachev comes along and says, Hey, Andrei Sakharov, why don't you come out of hiding? It's okay to come out now, I forgive you. And Soros sees this apparently decides this is a good sign and, and everything flows from there. That's that's the story. All right, continuing on with a little more history. So he says that he had a plan to open up one sector of the economy, and they started doing this, and then it soon became evident that the idea was impractical. But then he blames the Russians for taking his advice. He says, such a harebrained idea from an insignificant source was supported at the highest level. Prime Minister Rizhkov ordered the heads of the major institutions to participate. You know, like he's he's basically doing what Soros always does, which is to say, oh, I, I was just trying to do a nice thing and it all went to crap, but they didn't really listen to me or they shouldn't have listened to me or whatever. He's always making excuses for the things that fail that he's involved in. In 1989-1990, Soros and U.S. economists work with Russian economists to tr create various sort of plans for the Russian economy going forward. One was called the Shatilin Plan. He says he arranges a meeting between the World Bank and IMF and the Russian authors of the Shatilin Plan. Meanwhile, basically the Shatilin Plan was a U.S. plan that they 
consulted with some Russian economists on. The Russian economists drew it up. And then George Soros says, great, I see you've got a great plan. I'm going to take you to the World Bank and IMF and get you hooked on these loans. Anyway, it didn't work. Gorbachev wavered over the plan, decided against it, didn't want to hand out private, t- uh, private property or all this stuff. But George Soros is not happy about this. He says, I still think the Shadowlin plan would have provided for a more orderly transition than did the actual course of events. You know what happened then? Oh, Gorbachev fell from power. Yeah, you don't reject George Soros, don't you know that? Gorbachev, leader of a country, you just don't. Gorbachev had wanted to take a more moderate approach. He didn't want the breakup of the Soviet Union. Um, he rejected the shock therapy approach. He didn't like the Shadowlin plan. Then there was a coup in August, a coup attempt in August 1991, which eventually ended in the dissolution of the Soviet Union in December 1991. Um, it wasn't like one continuous event. It's just that things fell apart so fast from there. Gorbachev resigned. And then Yeltsin, who was supported by the oligarchs in waiting, became the most powerful powerful person in Russia. And Yeltsin then appointed the more hardline shock therapy uh, type reformers to his government. That created uh, all kinds of problems. Hyperinflation, um, just total misery. As the uh, you know people of Russia were forced to adjust to this overnight change from communist central planning, controlled prices, controlled market, to like, hey everybody, just it's an open market now. As we know, oligarchs and, and scoundrels and vultures from all over the world descended upon Russia during this time when they had loans and voucher this voucher program. Um, that's how oligarchs were created because nobody knew what was happening, and in this chaos, the oligarchs grabbed up all the valuable resources for themselves. Anyway, the parliament of Russia basically tried another coup. And there was armed, there was like storming of uh, the news organization and occupation of parliament and everything from the people opposed to Yeltsin. And then what did Yeltsin do? I mean, it's just unbelievable what happened. And it's barely talked about anymore. See this building that's all burned? That is... The they call it the Russian White House. Yeltsin got tanks to fire on his own White House in October 1993. So these, this is the situation that was happening, and George Soros was right in there, advising these people, investing millions of dollars, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars into the economy. And then if you know other things about investments that he made also in these auctions when the economy opened up and the oligarchs all rushed in, he didn't restrain himself. He actually won uh, a big telecommunications company when the economy opened up. So he's, he's creating the chaos and he's profiting from it too. At the same time. All right, but this is all supposed to be about the science, I know, and and I'm getting there. I just wanted you to see how chaotic the whole thing was. And the fact that it had to switch from Gorbachev to Yeltsin in order for the shock therapy to happen, which then George Soros and many other people profited from, right? And one of the people that 
Yeltsin appointed was this guy named Gaidar. Gaidar was in the Soros orbit, as Soros admits here, where he says, I remember calling Gaidar in April 1992 to blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter what he says, because obviously he has a hand in advising this guy, Gaidar, as well. And that's important because Gaidar appointed the science minister. Now we're finally able to get around to the science thing. The science minister's name was Boris Saltikov. And Boris Saltikov is the guy who was going to accept the money from Soros to create this thing called the International Science Foundation. And the International Science Foundation was stepping into the chaos so that, allegedly, so that nuclear scientists and other types of scientists wouldn't just run off and sell their services to Iran or another enemy of democracy, right? This was, this was the idea. Um, so George Soros gave $100 million, and he paid the salaries of scientists, which, according to them, they had only been making something like $20 a month in, under the Soviet rule. So George Soros was able to buy up a lot of scientists. And not only that, well, we'll see later how far-ranging George Soros's $100 million went in the world of science in Russia. So I found this article here, Soros Fund Launches Noah's Ark, Saving Science. And in this article, they list some of the people that are hand-picked by Soros to be on the foundation's three organizational bodies. And they, they list them here. Joshua Lederberg of Rockefeller University. Sidney Drell of Slack. Soros's close friend, Alexander Goldfarb, a Russian emigre biologist at Columbia University. Um, and Felix Browder of Rutgers. So there's more listed here, and there's more that we're on the board that aren't listed here. It's really difficult to get those names, though. But for our purposes today, I'm only going to look at the ones with the blue marks on them there. I am going to start with Boris Saltikov. Bear with me, I'm going to read most of this. Between 1993 and 1996, the International Science Foundation gave out nearly $130 million. The Emergency Grants Program gave out 26,145 grants, which supported 23% of all scientists working in the labs and universities of the former Soviet Union. The Library Assistance Program, quote, single-handedly closed the enormous gap in the state procurement of scientific periodicals. Furthermore, 98% of foreign science journal subscriptions now held by Russian libraries were initiated with ISF funding. I wonder if that means that there's a list of approved journals or, or how that all worked out. It also had the travel grant program, which brought to the West a cadre of Russian scientists. So sort of like paperclip. Down here, it says that some pro-communist elements in Russia sought to portray the ISF as a front for the CIA. Hmm. <laughs> you don't say, 
geez, I, I kind of have my suspicions as well about that, knowing that George Soros often works in tandem on the same programs as the U.S. State Department does through the National Endowment for Democracy and several other of their of their programs. Until 1992, over 80% of all funding for Soviet scientific research had come from the state. But, well, then he didn't make much of a difference, did he? Because it says here, after he gave out all his money, 23% of all the scientists working in labs and universities were funded by him. And down here it says, before he came along, 80% of all funding had come from the state. Correct me if I'm wrong. But that sounds like he only made a 3% difference. <laughs> it's just chaotic. And why should a private citizen from another country be allowed to do this? But he had his friendly Russian minister, Boris Saltikov, who went out in front of everybody and said how happy he was to receive this money and isn't George Soros the greatest guy. And for sure they're going to change it up. Like, what did he say? The new approach will select only the most creative people. It will undoubtedly lead to a shift in power away from the apparatchiks to the scientists themselves. You can see how this would have caused a uh, disturbance in the force over there at the time with some foreigners scooping up all their best scientists. Okay, so that's Saltykov's role. And he was put into place by Gaidar. He has a daughter named Maria. And she's been a problem for Putin anyway. She's been a fierce critic of Putin's government. Gaidar produced numerous video materials in which Vladimir Putin was depicted as the Antichrist in 2008. <laughs> a little dramatic. So obviously she she hates him with a passion and she's going to try to destroy him any way she can. After the color revolution of 2014, she accepted an offer from Mikhail Saakashvili and became vice governor of the Odessa Oblast in Ukraine. And she has, by the way, she threatened to give up her Russian citizenship and move to Israel under the law of return. So you can read this if you want, but the salient point here is that the Russian establishment criticized Gaydar's decision and one politician requested an investigation for high treason. That's how serious all of this was. John, I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee that's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. 
Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. You can't handle the truth! You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.